You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rest and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast. We go to the many 5e books and talk about various rules that enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and the Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about objects. How are objects dealt with in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, how, how are they? Dealt with in Dungeons and Dragons, right? <laughs> well, first off, Nathan, when I say object, what am I talking about? Things. Such as? A cup on the table. Cup and table are indeed both objects. And... <laughs> <sighs> All right. In all seriousness, like, objects are just things. Just, there are just... I, I, it's hard to sit, describe object without just using the word object. <laughs> I keep falling into that trap when I try to speak. All right, here we go. Google. Object, a material thing that can be seen and touched. Okay, that works. So in D&D, that could be, you know, a window, a door, an entire building, or as you said, a cup. Just anything is an object. So. The thing is, interacting with objects, and at least for most people in D&D, breaking objects is something that comes up a lot that a lot of DMs have no idea how to actually deal with. So Nathan, let's say that you just got a party in front of a wood door. How do they get in? It is locked. They, they murder the door in cold blood. I mean, I hope that a door doesn't have blood. Well, um, in Riftwake, all doors have blood. Yes, it's Bloodwood. Riffwick exclusive, yes. trademark. <laughs> no, the problem is, I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's definitely something in some form of media. That's we're just not that yeah. lucky. But seriously, though, like, so what would be the actual like numbers that you would use for the party to deal with breaking down the door? Um, so there's two ways I would handle it. One would be just trying to force it with a strength check. The other would just be manually breaking it down by Correct. hitting it. Correct, and. Yeah, that would be two potential ways to do it, is to just give a just DC for like a strength check or possibly an athletics check, or just to give it like an AC and hit points to deal with actually breaking it down that way. So with that being said, uh, tell me about the actual rules as written in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, as it says here in my Dungeon Master Guide that's totally in my hand. I've um, never been opened before. Uh, y- you can hit it. Yeah, it has the yeah in it. It's it's part of the thing. Uh huh. Of course, of course. 
But there is actually a section on objects in Chapter 8, Running the Game, of the Dungeon Master's Guide. When characters need to saw through ropes, shatter a window, or smash a vampire's coffin, the only hard and fast rule is this. Given enough time and the right tools, characters can destroy any destructible object. Use common sense when determining a character's success at breaking an object. Can a fighter cut through a section of a stone wall with a sword? No. The sword is likely to break before the wall does. For the purpose of these... <laughs> Go for it, Nathan. I, I, well, um, who knows, mate? Um, you know, they say if you cut, if you do it enough, it might just break something. something yes, break. the sword. You, you never know till you try it, you know? Ah... <laughs> uh... And that is why I'm always sad the fact that common sense isn't. For the purpose of these rules, an object is a discrete, inanimate item, like a window, door, sword, book, table, chair, or stone, not a building or a vehicle that's composed of many other objects. Okay, so by rules as written, then, anything can get broken eventually, which makes sense. So the question becomes time. So let's just say, going back to our door example, the party knows that no one is home and they're trying to break in and get information. It is a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere that has no neighbors in auditory range. Okay, so therefore the party has, you know, let's just say hours until the person gets back from the village market. There's no need to make the characters roll because it might take them a minute or two of bashing on it, but a party will break that door unless there is a very good reason for them to not be able to break it. Like, if it is, you know, a stone tower in the middle of nowhere with an adamantine door, well, the question is, again, is that destructible with what the player has available? Like, if everyone in the party just has, you know, dagger and sword, they may not be able to get through that. I have a stick. Will this work? Maybe, but probably not. <laughs> On the other it's hand... It's a magical stick. <laughs> All right, then using magic would probably be your best bet. Because that's the point where, okay, maybe you do just need to cast you know, like a bunch of, you know, firebolts to eventually just batter it down and just like break the hinges and just have the intact door fall. Like it might be that kind of situation that might take some more time. But again, this is where it becomes fuzzy is what is destructible is really kind of debatable because like you know i just mentioned the hinges idea but that's almost more just you being a nice dm to allow them to break into the place like i would i might actually rule otherwise that like unless you do have you know a character that has a, a pickaxe in a bag of holding that they stole from that mine that they were in that one time oh if you've got a pickaxe and a stone wall okay that might take you like an hour to make a hole big enough for you guys to crawl through, but you would be able to do it eventually. The problem becomes that, well, that magic user might come back in that time. So it's when there's a time crunch is where you might need to do rolls to figure out how long it takes them to get into, you know, the wall or whatever the situation is. But I'll be honest, I'm not super fond of these rules. This is another of those situations where I definitely do have personal bias against these rules as they are written, because 
these rules as written says that anything is destructible, and I just don't agree with that, really. So I'm going to go through all the rules as written here, and then I'll go off on my rant after the fact. So, statistics for objects. When time is a factor, you can assign an armor class and hit points to a destructible object. You can also give it immunities, resistances, and vulnerabilities to specific types of damage. Okay, that's actually pretty interesting in theory. So, assuming that something is destructible, so Nathan, why would you give something immunities, resistances, and vulnerabilities? Well, I would say, like, for example, either it has an enchantment or it just is something like, you can't set a metal gate on fire. Exactly. Unless it's, like, really, really, really hot, and then it's not really fire so much as it's just melting it. Yeah, so that's where that kind of thing can come into effect. Also, I'm pretty sure that a door wouldn't be offended by psychic damage. So a lot of objects that do have statues no, no, will say immune have to psychic too, Remy. Only if they're enchanted. <laughs> or, no, feel, I shouldn't say doors. that. I shouldn't. I am a big fan of the Hijagger's Guide to the Galaxy Universe. I'm well aware of sentient doors. But in what all seriousness... <laughs> oh, uh, the same book series that I like that is why my favorite number is 42 uh, does also have sentient doors. Sentient doors. Yeah. And something so useful that it's considered proof of the non-existence of God. Anyway, wow. that's... I love me some Hitchhiker, but that's a separate Remy rant. A few of them. I like a lot of things there. Anyway, but in terms of just the immunities and resistances and such, so yeah, immune to psychic damage, most objects should. Uh, poison also, probably not going to do much against an object. Acid certainly would do a lot of things. And if you had something like, you know, uh, the sail on a ship, then yeah, fire damage would potentially be a vulnerability. So. Just thinking about like, oh, they have, you know, the party used this particular spell, like, it, would that just be normal, you know, immune resist or vulnerable? And this is the kind of thing that it's nice to have an idea of in advance, but you could also just make up on the spot if you gotta. All right. Armor class. An object's armor class is a measure of how difficult it is to do deal damage to the object when striking it because the object has no chance of dodging out of the way. The object armor class table provides suggested AC values for various substances. Cloth paper rope, 11. Crystal glass ice, 13. Wood bone, 15. Stone, 17. Iron or steel, 19. Mithril, 21. Adamantine, 23. That is some bullshit, in my opinion. It should not have a... 11 AC for paper. That is dumb. Glass with a 13? Paper is very difficult to hit, Remy. Oh, yes. It's incredibly difficult to have the sword that you are proficient with yes. to hit an object that is the size of a human head or so. Yeah, for no, some no, reason, no, that no, has a 50% so chance of failure. It's a two-dimensional object, Remy. It's, it's impossible. Uh, that's, that's how, that's how I physics... Just, I hate that. <laughs> I hate the whole idea of armor class for objects this way. Of just like how difficult it is to deal damage to it. That's dumb. <sighs> anyway, hit points. 
An object's hit points measure how much damage it can take before losing its structural integrity. Resilient objects have more hit points than fragile ones. Large objects also tend to have more hit points than small ones, unless breaking a small part of the object is just as effective as breaking the whole thing. The table below suggests hit points for fragile and resilient objects that are large or smaller. So, uh, the, that chart. A tiny object, like a bottle or a lock, a fragile one has 1d4 hit points, while a resilient one has 2d4 hit points. Again, I'm not super fond of that, just alone, because, okay, you know, using a lock as an example. So that would mean, at most, a resilient lock only has 8 hit points? That's, that's silly. Like, that would be just, like, one hit from a weapon just will destroy even a resilient lock? Like, ugh, grumble, grumble. Small item like a chest or a loot will have 1d6 or 3d6 hit points. A medium object like a, like a barrel or a chandelier will have 1d8 or 4d8 hit points. And a large item such as a cart will have, uh, sorry, like a cart or a 10 by 10 foot window will have 1d10 or 5d10 hit points. Again, I am not super fond of this. So if you consider just a large object in terms of size, like let's just say you have a 10 foot by 10 foot section of wall, because they do just specify 10 foot by 10 foot right there. So that would mean that at most a wall will have 50 hit points, regardless of how thick it is, what the material is. That's dumb. I'm biased. I know. I don't care. Huge and gargantuan objects. Normal weapons are of little use against many huge and gargantuan objects, such as a colossal statue, towering column of stone, or massive boulder. That said, one torch can burn a huge tapestry, and an earthquake spell can reduce a colossus to rubble. You can track a huge or gargantuan object's hit points if you like, or you can simply decide how long the object can withstand whatever weapon or force is acting against it. If you track hit points for the object, divide it into larger smaller sections and track each section's hit points separately. Destroying one of those sections could ruin the entire object. For example, a gargantuan statue of a human might topple over when one of its large legs is reduced to zero hit points. Well, that's rather complicated, but that is at least logically consistent, which I can appreciate. So in other words, let, so sticking with that giant, or colossal statue, rather, okay, that makes sense. If you can just break an ankle of the statue, that weight is absolutely going to make the entire thing topple over. That makes sense. And then you, so you don't need to figure out how much hit points the entire statue has you just need to figure out how much hit points that size section for the ankle does that actually does make some sense but again one of the issues that i do have with this is simply that the numbers that they give here i'm not fond of so even if you do consider that giant ankle example okay let's say that you have you know really really big stature so that this ankle alone is still let's just say six feet across of a solid type of stone. Okay, still by the numbers that they give us here for a resilient object, that still just says 50 hit points for a resilient large object. Nathan, does a six foot, you know, ankle of stone seem like it would only have 50 hit points? 
He does a lot of hit points, eh? Just kidding, no. <laughs> Maybe like 200? Maybe? Like, that's sure a hell of a lot more reasonable than 50. And like, and also, again, thinking about the destructible object angle of things. Okay, so fine, you have this object, you have a sword. Sword ain't gonna do shit to that. If you have, like, a well-made stone object, and you're just smacking it with a sword, like, unless you have, like, a lightsaber enchantment on your fucking sword, that, that there's no way that that sword isn't gonna do more than just the tiniest of chips off of that. So trying to consider just the sheer quantity of hit point, the, the sheer amount of blows that it should take to topple such an object is just ridiculous. Honestly, like this just gave me like a f really stupid magical item idea. Oh? So it's called the butter knife. It, it's actually a butter knife, but it cuts through everything like it's butter. Uh, that'd be cool. That's actually a pretty neat idea. It's like really unassuming. <laughs> you could bring it someplace and it's like, why do you have a knife with you? But they look at like how sharp it is. And it's like, Nyeh. I just went to this terrible inn a couple of cities over. I went there, they had a fork, but they had no knives. How was I supposed to cut steak without a knife? And ever since that happened, but, I just wanted to make sure that I had my own knife so I could just enjoy a meal. But if you're going to fuss that's about a butter it. Knife. <laughs> it's a butter knife. Well, you, yes, you because there's assholes like really you that are going to give me trouble. But no, I figure if it's a butter knife, I can still cut my food for the most part. But I, but overbearing pricks like you should just leave me be. I'm just trying to just eat my food here. <laughs> uh, you may be able to tell I come from a family of complainers. <laughs> I can see extremely skilled. I like I could I could just keep going on those kinds of things. Uh uh, Jewish fetching. It is a family talent. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, objects and damage types. Objects are immune to poison and psychic damage. Well, gee, maybe you should have put that where you mentioned that up higher. <laughs> 
you might decide that some damage types are more effective against a particular object or substance than others. For example, bludgeoning damage works well for smashing things, but not for cutting through rope or leather. Paper or cloth objects might be vulnerable to fire and lightning damage. A pick can chip away stone, but can't effectively cut down a tree. As always, use your best judgment. Again, they're just putting all this on the DM. And then, damage threshold. Big objects, such as castle walls, often have extra resilience, represented by a damage threshold. An object with a damage threshold has immunity to all damage, unless it takes an amount of damage from a single attack or effect equal to or greater than its damage threshold, in which case it takes damage as normal. Any damage that fails to meet or exceed the object's damage threshold is considered superficial and doesn't reduce the object's hit points. So, this is one of the few things that I actually like, even if it's slightly on the complicated side. So we actually did briefly mention this back when we were talking about ships, because ships are also considered to be a big object that has a damage threshold. So a lot of ships, for example, might have a damage threshold of 20, which means that any attack that is 19 damage or less is superficial and doesn't take off any hit points of the object. But any single attack that is 20 damage or more is taken off the hit point total as normal. So this is also just a very important thing to consider for something. So sometimes when someone has multi-attack, for example, like let's say you've actually got a relatively high level party. So you've got like a 12th level fighter who will have three attacks per turn at that point. So even if they do like 10, 10, 10 damage like to the object on with their three attacks, even though that is a total of 30 damage, each attack is what counts for the sake of a damage threshold. So all three of those are insufficient to break through. So all three of those would fail to damage that object. So this is a massive reason for a feat like Great Weapon Master to come into effect out of combat, where you can have, okay, that same fighter, if they're using Great Weapon Master, take that negative five to the attack roll for plus 10 to the damage. So again, assuming that they're still able to stay on target, which again, I think is dumb, but whatever, then all of those 10 damages would become 20, which would work then because damage threshold 20 takes 20 damage. So then three attacks, all of a sudden that one feat use alone makes that ship, for example, instead of taking zero damage of three superficial attacks, would all of a sudden take 60 damage from one turn of that fighter with Great Weapon Master. So understanding how damage threshold does influence things is very important to consider and just to figure out what that damage threshold is that the party needs to hit. Because that is something that you don't have to necessarily tell your players automatically like that is the kind of thing that like you know let's say they're attacking they're trying to like get through a stone wall because like the gate is heavily guarded but there's you know miles away a section of wall that is unguarded and it's hoped that you know you can just break through this point so you just need to you know figure out okay so what would the damage threshold of that wall be the players may not know as the dm though you need to just make up a number or just pretend to have one in Nathan's case. Just like, yeah, that seems good enough. 
<laughs> as you do. <laughs> but that's it for the rules as written. And I'm not super fond of that. So without making the obvious dirty joke, Nathan, have you ever heard of hardness? Uh, the hardness skill? Uh, not quite. Dungeons and Dragons hardness. No. So this was the older rule set back in 3.5, and honestly going back even more than that. But that was the old rules when it came to objects. And honestly, I just massively prefer that system in general, just because it is solid numbers that just make sense a lot more easily. So damage threshold is actually the newer version of that system specifically. But it used to be that there was something like damage threshold called hardness for everything. So the way that that used to work would be like each item material, instead of having an AC like it is here, had a hardness. So as an example, like let's start with uh, wood. Wood is good. So wood had a hardness of 5 and 10 hit points per inch of thickness. And that was how you figured out objects. So what hardness did was how resistant is that material to damage? So 5th edition simplified resistance into just resistance and vulnerability. But it used to be that there were different numbers back in the day. So wood with a hardness of 5 would mean that if, let's say, a wood door took 15 damage, its hardness means that it would take 5 less. So that would only take 10 damage. So if you had a 1-inch thick wood door, 10 damage, 10 inches per, or 10 hit points per inch, means that 15 hit points would be enough to break a 1-inch wooden door. But if you had a nicer house with, like, let's say, a two-inch thick, you know, nice solid oak door. Okay, so that would mean then that it would take 20 hit points of damage to actually break through that door. So it is very specific numbers per inch of thickness, per various materials, with certain amounts of damage resisted. Like, it is so easy with those charts to figure out, oh, okay, so that's what it takes to actually break the thing. So again, using that two-inch wooden door now, so let's say, you know, uh, you know, Morris, you know, back in his younger days would have been angry and swung his maul trying to break down this door. You know, swings, you know, 2d6 plus 3, and, you know, let's just say average damage of, well, let's say he does okay and does 11. Okay, so that would mean, again, wood has that hardness of 5, so it would just take 6 damage. So take Morris, on average, three hits to break down that door. So that tells us very specifically how long it would take for, you know, average blows to break it. Although, of course, you know, if a crit were to happen, then that would massively speed things up. However, there are more, t more options available as well. So we talked at the very beginning that you could decide to have, you know, hit points and AC and figure all that out, or you could just do it in the form of a check. And the thing is, also back in the day, that was something that they had available. Different common things just had a break DC as well. So, okay, so a simple wooden door has a break DC of 13. So, okay, 
So you could just roll that athletics check and just, if you got a 13 or better, just smash right through immediately in one blow. And having both of those systems just works better in my admittedly biased opinion. <laughs> like, I like the older system because it does give specific numbers of, okay, you have a material is this resistant and a material has this much hit points per inch of thickness. And I just really, really liked that because it was a good, simple way to just be consistent of, okay, so if I have a one foot thick wooden or one foot thick stone wall, for example, I would know, ah, okay, stone, 15 inches or 15 hit points per inch. So 180 hit points per foot of a stone wall to get through. Oh, wow, that's a lot. So that makes sense. That's right. why mining is such a goddamn hard job because you're constantly trying to get through fucking stone. So so it it, it gives instant numbers to just know how long a thing would take. So in summary, although rules to deal with objects are indeed in the Dungeon Master's Guide, I do highly suggest at least taking a peek into the older system, making use of hardness to help give you an idea of when your players just want to break something, how long should it take, and how much effort will it require to actually smash on through. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Riftwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.